Good morning. Hey, listen, I am really excited about being here. I've already got to experience some of your culture here. I got to go to the pit last night. That was awesome. I'm sorry you guys lost, and it's not my fault. Just because I'm a Red Raider fan and I was in the building did not mean that I lost, all right? And we got to go to, it's the frontier, right? What, frontier? Is it just the frontier? The frontier. The frontier. All right. I had the cinnamon roll. It was really good. All right. (laughs) It was disgusting. All right. It was no, it was really, really good. So I am enjoying my time here, man. I've had a great time. Got to meet with the elders and ministers yesterday morning. And, uh, and so it's just good to be here again. I was here for the men's retreat. When was that Walter? It was a while ago. It was a while. We'll just say a while ago, you know, and so uh, we were supposed to meet in the mountains, but then I got a call from Britton Pruitt and said, we burnt down a mountain, so we can't meet here, so we're going to have to meet here. So it was really crazy. So I'm excited to be back. And so what I want you to do, turn to your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. We're going to be really looking at 17 through 31. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. When we begin to read the Bible... Sometimes it is really, really difficult for us to maybe sort of capture um, the importance of something because we've never, ever been asked to do the exact same thing. And since we haven't been able to do the exact same thing, sometimes we sort of miss the importance of what, we, what God asks us to do. It's not, that not, it's not that everything is not important in the Bible. It's just that we've never been asked to do the same thing. Let me illustrate it this way. If you go to Jeremiah chapter 16 and verse 2, Jeremiah is told that he is not to marry. He is not to have sons. He is not to have daughters in this land. Now, we understand that why God is telling Jeremiah not to do that. He wants to spare Jeremiah the heartache when the people of uh, Judah are carried into Babylonian uh, captivity. Or how about this? We've never been really asked to do this. Well, maybe not all of us, all right? Turn to Ezekiel chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Ezekiel is told to shave his head, all right? I could go there, Walter, but I, well, you get it, all right? He's told to shave his head, and here's what he's supposed to do with his hair. He's supposed to take a third of his hair, he's going to burn it. He's going to take a third of his hair, and he's going to throw it up into the wind. He's going to take a third of his hair, and he's going to chop it up. And he's take a few, uh, few parts of his hair and put it in his belt or his... It's, it's sort of a... Uh, and it, we understand that is as far as it is the remnant. That God's going to scatter his people, but we've never really been asked to shave our head. Now, there's some things in the Bible, i got to let you know, that I am so excited that God has told us not to do exactly. You'll understand this when you get over to Isaiah chapter 20, verses 2 and 3, where Isaiah is told to go naked for three years. And you think I'm joking, and I am not. Isaiah is told to go and walk around naked for three years by God. All right? And so there's some times when I'm excited that we don't have to do exactly the same thing. But when we come to the story of the rich young ruler, there's parts of this story that really resonate with us. It resonates with us in the fact that 
we sort of struggle with our worldly, worldly possessions. We, we struggle a little. We struggle not only with that, but we struggle sometimes with following Jesus. But who of us have ever been asked to give up everything? Everything. And when Jesus says to the rich young ruler, I want you to sell everything, it's not sell for a profit, it's to barter it away. Get the best price you possibly can, rich young ruler. Get the best possible price you can, but you sell everything and you come and follow me. Which of us have ever been asked to do that? I haven't. Now, I've been asked, and we've been asked as churches, as, as, as members of the Lord's church, is to do some following things. We've been asked to give a little bit of extra. We've been asked to give um, so we can meet a special maybe mission, uh, mission contribution. We've been asked at maybe at the end of the year, hey, we're falling a little bit behind in our budget. So, hey, I'll tell you what. Let's give a little bit extra. But who of us have ever, ever been asked to sell everything that we have in order to follow Jesus Christ. I mean everything, lock, stock, and barrel. It doesn't mean that we haven't heard stories of people who have been disowned, people who have been threatened with violence. I think about some of our missionaries at Sunset. They're the names of the Habashis. I ask you to pray for them. They are missionaries over in Egypt. And every day they walk out their door, every day they walk out their door, there is the possibility that they will be killed for Christ. But who of us have ever, ever been asked to give up everything? And because of that, sometimes we may miss the significance of this story. We may miss the importance of this story because we've never, ever been asked But I want to let you know there's a cartoon I think that will help us to understand a little bit about what this story is about. If I had to illustrate the rich young ruler in a cartoon, it would look like this. We get this. Don't we? God, you could have everything in my life. I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to surrender to you. But man, listen, you stay away from my pocketbook. God, I'm, I'm willing to give you everything. And, and, and it's not necessarily just money, but sometimes it's that hand sticking up out of the baptist that says, listen, you could take everything you want, God. Take everything that you want, but you just leave this one thing alone. This is the story. This is the story of the rich, young ruler. You see, here's what I have to admit. When Jesus asked the rich, young ruler to sell all of his possessions, it's just not about his possessions. It's what I call the call behind the call. Let me say that again. There's a call behind the call. Jesus calls the young man to sell all his possessions, but there's something that is really behind it. And it's the thing that's behind it that makes the application for me today. The thing behind it, the call behind the call, is what's really important. That's our application for us today. You see, when Jesus said to the young man, I want you to sell everything that you have. I want you to barter it all away. I mean, clean it out. Again, lock, stock, and barrel, everything. And I want you to sell everything. I want you to come follow me. 
really what we call the call behind the call is what Jesus was asking for was total surrender. Complete and total surrender. That's what Jesus was asking for with the rich young ruler. And he didn't get it, did he? He didn't get it. Notice what his response is. All right? Jesus gives him a list of commands. Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Verse 19. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And the, guy, and the, the young man says, listen, I've been doing that since I was a baby. I was raised around this stuff. I was raised around this stuff. And he goes on, he goes, I've done all that. Now, Jesus, here's what I want you to do. Just give me one more thing. Just give me another command to obey. Give me one more command. Listen, I've got nine out of the ten, you know. Give me the number ten or give me the eleven or the twelve. Give me one more command and I got this thing down and I will follow you. And Jesus says, I am not about addition. I'm only about surrender. Do we get that? Jesus is not about addition. He's not about addition. He is about complete and total surrender. And it's at that point, while we may never be asked, I don't know if we'll ever be asked that or not. I don't know if we'll ever be asked to sell all that we have. We may someday. I don't know. But the point is this. While we may not be asked the exact same thing as the rich young ruler, we all have been asked the same thing. And that is complete and total surrender to God. Completely sell out. I want you to do this for me. I'm a visiting preacher, so you could be irritated with me and it won't bother me. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. We're not going to do anything funny. I'm not asking you to move or anything like that, all right? I just want you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine this picture. I want you to be able to see him from afar away. And in your heart, you've been wanting to follow him all of your life. And you've done all the right things. I mean, you've gone to church I mean, you go on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday, you read your Bible. I mean, you do all the things and you see him from a distance and you run up to him. And, you, and you've been thinking about following Jesus for a very, very long time. And you run up to him and you say, Jesus, I am ready to follow you all of your, I'm ready to follow you wherever you want me to go. I want you to know I have been a very, very religious person. I go on Sunday morning. I go on Sunday night. I go on Wednesday night. I read my Bibles. I was a part of the 6K thing. I mean, I was all of that. And Jesus looks at you, he turns around and he's looking at you and he looks you straight in the eye and he says to you, Bill, I want you to go and give, I want you to go and I want you to give up this one thing. Now open your eyes. What's your one thing? You have a little thing in your bulletin, it's just sermon notes. And I want you to think of your one thing. What is your one thing? What is the one thing that would require a complete and total surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ? What's your one thing? And I want you to write that one thing in your bulletin.
the sermon notes. And don't look at each other's notes. It's very private. It's very personal. What is your one thing? Is it riches? I don't know. Is it pride? Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's an unforgiving spirit. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's arrogance. What's your one thing? What is your one thing? And when we understand what our one thing is, then we understand that we are all the rich, young ruler, aren't we? See, the rich, young ruler could not escape the clutches of his possessions in order to follow Jesus Christ. And look at verse 22, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. He realized what the one thing was, and he realized that he couldn't do it. And it says this about him. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. As we reflect about our lives, as we think about the one thing that's keeping us from following Jesus Christ, we could feel like the, young, the, the rich young ruler. And, and we just can't let that go. Listen, it is hard to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Following Jesus is not for wimps. It's hard because what Jesus does, he reaches into our lives and he says, listen, this thing that you're holding on to here, this one thing is keeping you from completely surrendering to me and I want you to give it up. And we want to give up the greed. We want to give up the pride. We want to give the anger up. We want to give up the bitterness of soul. And we have the list that goes on and on and on. And here's what happens is we just don't think we could do it. In fact, we go something like this. I have struggled with this over and over and over and over and all my life. And I want you to know, God, I love you. But this is absolutely impossible for me to do. And here is where the good news comes. And I've always sort of read, I always sort of read this sort of differently. And I always thought, I always placed this idea of God doing the impossible with a lot of other things. But after I started studying this, I realized here's the good news of the passage. Here is the great news of the passage. And it goes something like this. The one thing that makes it difficult for us to follow to Jesus and the one thing that we have complete, we have a lot of, we struggle with giving up. Here's what God says about this. Here's what Jesus says about this. It may be impossible for you, but it's not impossible for me. And that is good news. Is it not? We could say amen here. Amen. Isn't that the good news of this story? The good news of this story is this. 
all the stuff that we try to do to do the, the one thing to get rid of something in our lives, the sin that keeps us from totally surrendering to God. And God comes onto the scene and he says, listen, I want to tell you something. It is impossible for you to do, but it's not impossible for me to do. And so for us today, it's this. It's the, called the picture of surrender. Jesus stands and God stands today and he goes to us. I know you've struggled all of your life with the one thing. I know what it is. But I want to let you know something is this. If you will but surrender to me. If you will just put completely surrender to me, I want you to know the impossible will become possible. But you must surrender. And so the question rolls around to us is this. So what does surrender look like? If that is the call behind the call of the rich young ruler, and that's what Jesus is calling us to do today. He may not be calling us to give up all of our riches, to sell everything. I don't know if I'm going to, I doubt if I'm going to get that email from God. But I know this, I know he's calling me to surrender. So what does the picture of surrender look like? What would that look like for me, Bill? What would that be? What would surrendering look like for me? And the cool thing is, is Jesus tells us out of this story. Here's the picture of surrender. First off, it's this. It's confession. And you're going, I don't read that in the story. It's there. Watch this. Look at verse 21. Okay. And there's this very, very interesting thing. This, this sort of, it's sort of a crystallizing moment. Uh, and we've all had those, right? If I ask you to, if I ask you to have a, to think about a crystallizing moment, a moment where you, you remember and see everything, here's one of those moments in this passage of scripture. In this passage of scripture, here's what happens. In verse twenty, he says, "Teacher, Jesus, I kept all these all my life." Now, notice what he does in verse twenty-one. Notice the phrase there. It's not found in any other. Uh, part, the rich young ruler, it's not found anywhere except Mark. But notice what Jesus does. Jesus looked at him and what? Loved him. What? And I get the sense that's going on here. And here's where the confession, I believe, comes in. I think Jesus looks at this man, this young man, and Jesus goes, Listen, you're, you're so close. You were so close. Come on, man. You could do this. I love you. I mean, hey, listen, when Jesus looks at you and he looks at you with love, you're going to get that look. And I just see him going, listen, if you will just take the first step, and the first step is to say something like this, I struggle with selling everything, Jesus. And Jesus goes, that's it. That's it. That's your first step. That's your first step. Take the first step, man. Just take the first, just confess. Could tell me your struggle with it and we'll work with that. And I get that from the story. 
hey, it is time for us as God's people to rethink what we think about confession. Now, I know what the world thinks about confession. The world thinks about confession that it's weakness. But I want to let you know, in God's kingdom, confession is never, ever, ever weak. Ever weak. And how dare we take the world's definition of what God calls us to do and change it. How dare we take the world's definition of confession and make it our own. I want to let you know today is this. Confession sucks the power out of sin. It sucks it out of sin. It takes it completely out of the way. So the first step in our surrender, the one thing, or maybe it's a multiple of things, the first thing is this, is to simply confess it. Whether it's publicly or privately. But to confess it. Jesus, I have held a grudge against this brother or sister for years. They hurt me a really, really long time ago. And it's been wearing me out. It's been wearing me out. The hatred that I'm feeling. And you confess. God, I've... I have done life with pride and arrogance, pulling myself up by my own bootstraps all of my life. And it's worked for me for the most part, not really. But I want to confess to you today that I am going to let go of pride and arrogance, I'm going to let go of bitterness. I'm going to let go of the one thing that is written in your bulletin that's on your heart today. And you know what it is, don't you? Don't you? What's your one thing? And today is the first day of the journey of complete and total surrender to God. And it starts with... I am guilty of this. And it's going to people that we love and going, listen, I want you to know I struggle with this. You know, I, I want you, I, I've been here a couple times and I've spent a time with the elders and the ministers yesterday, but I want to let you know how, how tr- I mean, I could go to them right now, couldn't I? And I could say, I am struggling with this. And they would love me, accept me, and they would help me. And that's a cool thing. Don't pass this up. But it's confession, the second step in surrender. It looks something like this. Jesus says, you surrender completely to me, and you prove by surrendering, by doing this one thing, and that is, you sell all your possessions. Now, if we look at repentance... The definition of repentance or to renounce here, renounce everything that you have literally means this. It is a radical moral turn. Now let me say that again because the application is going to come here in just a second. To renounce or to repent of something is a radical, 
emphasis on the word radical. Radical moral turn. So the question for all of us is this. What would be your radical moral turn? What would that look like? What would that be? What would that look like? Here's my confession. Probably about four or five years ago, I was really having a hard time with a brother. And I, I let that stuff rest in my soul. It was bitterness, anger. And I tried to justify it by saying that I was right. <laughs> Which was really lame because I wasn't. And I remember the day when I realized that I came to a juncture, all right? I came to a juncture where I had to realize I was going to let this thing own me or I was going to have to renounce it and I was going to have to surrender it to God. And there was confession. And it, it, it wasn't easy. But I want to let you know it's so free. And there was a radical moral turn that looked something like this for me. I went to him. I went to our elders. I went to all of our paid staff and asked for their forgiveness. I went to his wife and asked for his forgiveness. For her forgiveness, I mean. Radical moral turn. What's that look like for you today? Maybe it means today a private conversation with somebody that you maybe have held at bitterness against. Maybe it's the, the today is a radical moral turn is maybe actually looking at your checkbook and realizing you haven't given a dime to God. Not a dime. Maybe a radical moral turn is to realize that you can't do life on your own and you can't be self-sufficient and you can't, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, that you are completely and hopelessly and utterly dependent upon God for everything that you have and everything that you do. What's your radical moral turn on this road to surrender? Confess, renounce, and then follow. Do you know there's two commands in this, in this chapter here where Jesus says, listen here, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to sell everything, all right? And I want you to come and follow me. It's commands. He's going, I am commanding you to sell, and I'm commanding you to follow me. Literally, the word follow there is where we get the word disciple. It's where we get the word discipleship. And what it means, and it looks like something like this, it means that, in order to surrender, I confess, I renounce, and then what I do is this. I live every day waking up, going something like this. I will get rid of whatever I need to get rid of in order to follow Jesus. And Jesus, you tell me where I need to go. I am going to be your disciple today. And we get up the next morning and we say, Jesus, I confess this, I renounce this, and today I will be your disciple. And you take me wherever I need to go, and you have me to do whatever I need to do today in order to follow you and be your disciple. It is the idea out of 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, where it says, 
if we want to be a disciple, let me just quote it, let me just say it exactly. Let us, let's walk as Jesus walked. Let's go where he goes and let's do what he does. And that's surrender. And so today, what's your one thing? What's the one thing? And don't leave today without surrendering that thing to Jesus Christ. Confess that. Renounce that. And be determined to follow Jesus wherever he would lead you. We're about ready to sing an invitation song. And it's very appropriate, isn't it? It's the most appropriate song for this occasion. All to thee, I surrender all. And as you're singing this, as we're singing this song together, I want you to be able to sing it with confidence. I want you to be able to sing it with heart. And if that means that you release this privately or you release this thing publicly, do that as we stand and as we sing. Sing your life, O shepherd.